us on this subject today, the battle before the victory. Amen. Amen. I wish somebody would lift their hands and help me today. Hallelujah. Reach over to somebody beside you and connect your faith with their faith. give the Lord a shout of praise like the victory has been won. Hallelujah. Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord. Let's lift our voices to Him. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. I want to remind us for the third Sunday service in a row I preached this last Sunday, and I preached it this Wednesday, and God wants me to preach it again today. We are in a battle. Amen. I hope you heard that. This is the third service that I've said this, and I want us to understand this. God wants us to understand this. Hallelujah. And until we get it into our hearts and our spirits and our lives, I guess God is just going to keep me preaching this, so... Uh, um, why don't we get a hold of the promise or the blessing or the word that God is speaking to us? We are in a battle. How many believe that? It's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. And the enemy of our soul wants to destroy us. And he will use any weapon, any device in his arsenal against us. But we know that God has given us the resources, the whole armor of God, which I preached about last Sunday, which is mostly defensive. And he has given us weapons of our warfare, which I preached about Wednesday, that are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. And he gives us these resources so that we can win this spiritual battle that we are in. Hallelujah. How many thankful for the resources and the things that God has equipped us with? I am. But the greatest challenge that you and I face is not quitting before the victory comes. It's understanding that every mountain also has a valley and before every victory there is a harder battle to fight. So if we don't quit... We know that we will be victorious. How many believe that? That's why the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6, if we don't get weary, if we will be victorious, if we don't get weary and give up, we will be victorious. How many believe that? So we must understand that battles are often an indicator of victories to come. I hope we understand what I'm saying. This is what the Holy Ghost is speaking to me to tell us this week. He spoke this to my heart yesterday and he simply said, I want my people to understand that battles are often, often an indicator of a victory that's going to come. Amen. 
God used Moses to deliver Israel from slavery, but he battled Pharaoh. God anointed David as king of Israel, but he battled Goliath. God used Nehemiah to build the walls of Jerusalem, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, but he battled opposition. Hallelujah. I want us to understand this, that battles are an indicator of victories. Battles are an indicator of victories. Hallelujah. So we understand that there can be no triumph without being tested. There can be no testimony without a test. There can be no victory without a battle. And there could not be a resurrection without a cross. So if we are in a battle, if you are in a battle today, I've got good news for you. Just hold on a little bit longer. Because battles are an indicator of victories that are ahead of us. Hallelujah. I believe that we've got some victories that are ahead of us. I believe we've got some promises that are yet to be fulfilled. Hallelujah. I believe that God is getting to, ready to unfold supernatural things in our life. Hallelujah. So I'm simply telling us today, I'm preaching to myself today, for the third Sunday in a row or the third service in a row and the second Sunday, I want us to understand, yes, we are in a battle. It's not a spiritual battle, a physical physical battle. It is a spiritual battle. But don't get distressed. Don't get worried. Don't be cast down because that battle is just telling you there is something greater ahead of us. We understand that great our greatest battles often come before our greatest victories. We understand that the darkest time is just before the dawn. And it's the job of the enemy of our soul to get us to quit before the victory comes. Once a great military general was asked to reveal the three greatest things he learned throughout his military career. He looked at those that asked him this question and he said... Never quit, never surrender, never give up. This great general paused for a moment, then he repeated his words so that they would understand them. Never quit, never surrender, never give up. Hallelujah. I believe God wants me to preach to somebody in this place today. It may seem like all hell is breaking loose and is about to destroy you. Don't quit. It may seem like the enemy is coming in like a flood. Don't surrender. It may seem like the battle is greater than ever before. Don't give up. Hallelujah. I'm not saying the battle won't be tough because it will. I'm not saying the valley won't be dark because it is. I'm not saying the storms won't rage because they are raging. I'm saying if God is for us, who can be against us? I'm saying greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. 
I'm reminding us today, in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Hallelujah. In Genesis chapter 26, you can go read this later if you have time. I'm not going to read it all for the sake of time. We read the story of Isaac possessing the land he had been promised as an inheritance. But when he got to this land that he had been promised for an inheritance, he found that there was a famine in the land and the land was barren. Now wouldn't that be something? You are all excited to possess an inheritance, the land, the property, the promise. But there is something attached to it. There's barrenness. We'd all celebrate if a rich uncle died and left us a big estate, but when we got to the lawyer, we figured out we had a lot of fees we had to pay. Amen. We would all be excited about something uh, that would bless us and something that's exciting, but when we got there, we realized there was something attached to it. We'd be excited when we got to a, a nice piece of pasture land that we thought was so beautiful and prosperous and we were ready to plow and plant and harvest and, and all these things, but we realized it was barren. That's what happened to Isaac, he went to possess the land he had been promised, but when he got there, it was barren. Now notice what happened next. God appeared unto Isaac and told him in Genesis chapter 26 and 2 through 4, he said, Go not down to Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Verse 3 says, Sojourn in this land, and I will be there. I will bless thee, for unto thee and to thy seed I will give thee this country. I will perform the oath which I swore unto Abraham thy father. I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. God is speaking this promise to Abraham or, or to Isaac. He's telling him, you're looking at a barren piece of land. You're looking at something that has not produced anything for a while. You're looking at something that you have waited for, but there is a battle, there is an obstacle, there is something difficult that is attached to it. Hallelujah. Oh, we've been in that place of, a of Isaac many times. We've heard the word of God preached. We've heard promises spoken to us. God has spoken to us in dreams and visions and prophecies and through his word. And he says, this is going to happen. That's going to take place. I'm going to perform this and I'm going to fulfill this. But when we step into that place, Brother Anthony, that we are, we've been longing for, praying for, hoping for, believing for, we step into it and it's not, uh, it, it's not a beautiful vineyard and it's not uh, flowing with milk and honey and it, it, it's not everything coming up rosy, but it's barren. How many's ever been there? 
You know what the easy thing for Isaac to do is to run to Egypt. Egypt was always a type of sin and always a type of the world in the Bible. It would have been easy for him to look at that inheritance that he had been waiting for, that promise that he had been holding on to. I can't wait to put the plow into the ground. I can't wait to harvest the blessings that God has for me. I can't wait for my family to be a partaker of this beautiful thing that God has promised. But when I get there, it's barren. So he has a choice. Stay or go to Egypt. Stay where God has placed him even though it's barren, even though it's not prosperous, even though there's a famine in the land or take off and go to Egypt. Hallelujah. God told Isaac, go not down to Egypt. Hallelujah. I got a word for somebody in this place. I've got a word for somebody in this place. Don't turn your back on the promises of God. Don't take the easy way out. Hallelujah. Oh, it may be the high road, but it's not always the easy road. Hallelujah. Don't step into a place that God has not put you or called you. Hallelujah. The church often, believers often, Holy Ghost apostolic people often, we go down to Egypt too much. We go to the place that God has not caused us, called us to sojourn too much. Hallelujah. Let me remind you today, the Bible says come out of, from the world and be separate. I don't want to look like the world. I don't want to talk like the world. I don't want to act like the world. I don't want to serve God like the world does. So I'm not going down to Egypt. My inheritance may look barren. My inheritance doesn't look real prosperous right now. My inheritance may not be the fulfillment that I am hoping for. Hallelujah. But God says, stay here. Stay and dwell in the land which I shall tell thee. Hallelujah. And I will bless you. Hallelujah. So to make a long story short, Isaac did not go down to Egypt, but he began to plant and he began to water and he began to dig and he began to work and he began to be faithful. Hallelujah. He didn't go away from the barren inheritance that God had left him, but he said, God, you gave it to me, so I'm going to make it better. God, you promised it to me, so I'm going to get my back and my shoulder and my sweat of my brow involved in it, and I'm going to make this inheritance what you said it could be. Hallelujah. And you know what happened? God began to bless Isaac just how he promised. In fact, Brother Jones, in the same year, the Bible says, the scripture says that God blessed Isaac 400 fold. 
and that he waxed great. From a barren promise to prosperity, Brother Walter, that's where I want to go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what the promises of God are, yea and amen. But I'm here to tell you, i just be honest with you, sometimes the promises of God are hard to see and hard to fight through and hard to navigate ourselves through. Sometimes we don't understand how God works and why he works and what he does. And sometimes we feel like we've stepped into a barren promise. Hallelujah. Don't leave the promise that God has given you. Don't move to another place. It's not going to be better there. Hallelujah. But roll up your sleeves. I got a word for somebody today. Roll up your sleeves and put the plow in the ground. Get the water bucket and the seed out. Hallelujah. Because harvest is work. Blessings takes labor. Hallelujah. The promises of God are not automatic. If we will do our part, God will do his part. And as God blessed Isaac as he promised, as he blessed him 400 fold in one year, as he waxed great, Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, and the Philistines did not like that God was blessing him. Amen. That's what's going to take place. The devil doesn't like our blessings. The devil doesn't like what God has promised. The devil doesn't like seeing a little nugget of a fulfillment of something he said was going to come to pass. And you know what the devil hates even more? He hates it in our barrenness when we don't see the inheritance and we don't see the blessing of the harvest. He hates it even more when we start working it. Hallelujah. You know what we're doing? Just what I said before I started preaching. The most prophetic thing that we can do is shout because when we are shouting, we are prophesying of what God is going to do when it hasn't happened yet. King Abimelech and the Philistines, they did not like that God was blessing Isaac. And we are told in Genesis chapter 26 and 14, it says, For he had possessions of flocks, and possessions of herd and great stores of servants. And notice what the scripture says. And the Philistines envied him. I'm ready to be the envy. I'm ready to be the envy of the Philistines because of the blessings that God is pouring out on my life. Hallelujah. I'm ready for the world to look at me and say, how is that dumb preacher being blessed? How is he? How, how, how is God doing all those things in his life? How is he gathering? How is he obtaining? How is revival coming to his church? How is that taking place? Hallelujah. I'm ready, for the, I'm ready for the world to start envying. And the Philistines envied him. 
to make a long story short, they tried to stop God's blessings, the blessings of Isaac. They tried to stop them by filling the wells of his father with dirt and earth, the scripture says. Isn't that just like the enemy? Isn't that just like how things take place in our life? Notice how it's taken place. We're stepping to, in, into our inheritance. We get there and it's barren. We decide, okay, God, it's barren, so I'm going to work and I'm going to make it better. God starts blessing us. The enemy, enemy starts envying us. And then he starts throwing dirt. <laughs> throwing dirt on our provision and the things that God wants to do. They began to pull, pull dirt and fill the wells that were dug by Isaac's father, Abraham. What did Isaac do? Did he go to Egypt? Did he give up? Did he say God had forsaken me? Well, you know what he did? He started digging new wells. He started digging new wells. The first well that Isaac dug was called Ezek. And it means contention. The second well Isaac dug was called Sitna which means opposition. And the third well that Isaac dug was called Rehoboth, which means room. Finally, we read in Genesis chapter 26 and 24 through 25, it says, And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bless thee, and I will multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. Hallelujah. Verse 25 says, And he built an altar there and called the name, called on the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged wells. Hallelujah. You see, the key to Isaac's victory was simply this, perseverance. Through envy, through contention, through opposition... Somehow, in all those obstacles, God said, I will make room, hallelujah, for you to be blessed. Hallelujah. I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. The first well he dug was called contention. The second well that he dug was called opposition. And the third well that he dug meant room. Hallelujah. You see, after the envy, after the contention, after the opposition, this is what God said. Isaac, I'm going to make some room for you to be blessed. Hallelujah. This is what God is speaking to the church. And this is what God spoke to me Saturday morning as I began to pray. He said, I want you to go preach to this church simply this. Keep digging wells.
There may be envy when you dig wells. There may be contention when you dig wells. There may be opposition when you dig wells. But if you keep on digging wells, Brother Seth, I'm going to make room... Hallelujah. I'm going to make room so that you can be prosperous and God can bless you. I wish somebody in faith would look at somebody beside you and say, get out of my way because God is about to make room for the blessing in my life. No more envy, no more opposition. No more battles, hallelujah. But I feel that God is about to make some room. Hallelujah. God is about to pour out some blessings and he's going to make some room for the promise to be fulfilled. Hallelujah. So I got a message to the church today. Keep on digging wells. Don't quit. Don't surrender. Don't give up. Hallelujah. Because God is going to make room for the blessing in your life. But the problem is this. We give up too quickly. Right on the verge of victory. When the battle is almost won, we throw in the towel and quit. And when this happens, the enemy of our soul, he rejoices. Hallelujah. Because he knows that we are closer to victory than we've ever been before. Hallelujah. That's why before every new victory, there is a battle... That we have to face. Hallelujah. So I want to remind this church once again. For the third service in a row. We are in a battle. This battle that we are fighting. Is not physical. But it's spiritual. But I got some news for you. This is what the Holy Ghost spoke to me. And told me to tell the church. I've got some news. About the battle that you are fighting right now. It's the battle before the victory. So we've got to make up our mind. Even though that our inheritance looks barren. Even though our inheritance looks like it's famine. Even though our inheritance is a dry land and it's unproductive and there's nothing in it. Hallelujah. We can go to Egypt and we can forsake the promises of God. Or we can put our plow to the ground and roll up our sleeves. And allow God to make some room for the blessing that he has for us. Hallelujah. I don't want to give up. I'm preaching to myself right now. I told us Sunday or Wednesday that uh, uh, this last six months I have faced more. I have seen more obstacles. I have battled more things than I have ever battled in the 10 years, 11 years of pastoring this church. Hallelujah. But I'm here to tell somebody I'm ready to do the work. 
I'm ready to pull up my sleeves and put the plow in the ground. I'm ready to dig some wells. The enemy may throw dirt in my face. The enemy may try to cover up the wells that my father dug, but I'm going to dig another well. And if that doesn't bless me, and if that's not the fulfillment of the promise, I'm going to dig another one. And I'm going to dig another one. Hallelujah. I'm going to dig another one. Hallelujah. Because the devil doesn't like what God wants to do in this church. The devil's been fighting this church for a lot of years. This is not a new battle for him. Hallelujah. But I'm ready to put the enemy on the run today. Hallelujah. I'm not quitting. I'm not surrendering. I'm not giving up. Hallelujah. My battle is raging, hallelujah. The storm is fierce. The valley is dark, hallelujah. But if I will not give up, I will gain and I will receive the blessing of a harvest. The writer of Hebrews wrote this in Hebrews chapter 10 and 35. You can remain standing because I'm fixing to close. He wrote this in Hebrews chapter 10, 35 through 19. He said in verse 35, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Amen. We do that a lot. We cast away our confidence. We look at our circumstance. We look at our problems. We look at the crisis. And we cast away the confidence that has great recompense of reward. Verse 36 four says, For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Amen. I know what you're thinking. I've been patient for a long time. Verse 37 says, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Hallelujah. He's coming. In just a little while, he that will come will come, and he will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Hallelujah. Verse 39 says, But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition.
but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. But this is so powerful right here. But of them that believe to the saving of our souls. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. I'm not turning around. I'm not giving up. I'm not surrendering. I'm not throwing in the towel and quitting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do what you want to. Live for God how you choose to. Make other things in your life the priority and not God. Hallelujah. Do what you choose to do. But I've made up my mind.